Is God's law a law of liberty? And if so, how do we experience that law and liberty in our daily walk? And as we look around and we see today's lawlessness, is that a sign? Join Eddie Armstrong and me, Charlie Hayes, in our in-depth discussion as we seek our answers from Scripture. Well, Charlie, last time we talked, we left with this question. Did God ever intend for the church to make his church lawless by doing away with the moral law? I might further ask the question that's not in our notes here, but that is this question. Does faith and grace negate the law? And I think as we study along, we'll find that the answer to that is a definite no, because Paul was adamant to say, do we then make void the law of God through faith? And he says, God forbid. In fact, the contrary, we actually established the law, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's begin to talk about this topic of the lawlessness in our church. Well, I think that, you know, there is some confusion. And I, I will say that there are some people who look and they see there are times when it looks like there's a lot of words about being free when you're saved. And so being free sounds to them like, oh, well, that means I don't have to obey any laws. I am now free. So I think that I think we need to clear, clear that up and, and make sure that people understand that along with this freedom comes a responsibility that. Yeah. And I would add to that. Uh, sometimes uh, it is put in our head that uh, if we desire to obey God's law, that uh, somehow that has made us uh, a legalist. Now, let me clarify that because I do believe if you're trying to obtain righteousness and salvation by obeying the law, then you are indeed legalistic. As we'll see from the passages we're going to read, obedience to God's law is not legalistic if it comes from a heart that's been born again, that's been changed and responds to obedience out of a heart of love. And I think that we'll see that again as we move along. What I think you're going to say is God's laws matters of the heart. Let's see, good tree produces good fruit, as Jesus says, whereas a bad tree produces bad fruit. Hmm. So even so you have a change in your heart right. to become a Christian, that's going to be evidenced by the things you do. Whereas hmm. even though you might proclaim to be a Christian, but you still have a untransformed heart, then you're going to see other things come out of you besides good fruit. Yeah, let me give a okay. personal example here. of When I was, before I was born again, I had this very bad habit of cursing. In fact, it was so bad that I embarrassed my wife, who would often remind me, using God's name in vain, uh, particularly, that that was right. not very attractive. <laughs> So I said, okay, I'm going to stop cussing tomorrow. Okay, so the next day came. Uh, I made it probably about two hours, if that long, without cursing. And then I was right back to my old habit. So the, the reason that I couldn't conquer cursing is because I had an old sinful heart. But uh, a year or two later, when I met Jesus and gave my life to him, and I was born again and given a new heart, guess what? Cussing was no longer a problem. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't said a curse word between now and then, but it's no longer in my nature 
to use foul language. Right, right. Yeah, so the language, yeah, your language has changed. That's one evidence. I, w- I would I would go further and say the other evidence mm-hmm. that goes on is the way you treat everyone around you. Right? You'll, you'll start to see a difference in the way you treat because you you become less yes. me-oriented. You know, we live in the me society, and we can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. But we're less me-oriented and more, more others-oriented and try yeah. to make sure that other people's needs are yeah. taken care of. And I, I would say I see it in you because of your outreach. You are, you're so loving to all the people around you. You're always trying to make sure that their needs are taken care of and also understand Jesus and understand the salvation that's theirs uh, when they turn to him. So I think those are some of the key things I see, but uh, there are a lot of others. But you see this transformation that goes in their heart. You were going to ask me a question. I was going to say, what's that, what's that have to do, though, with the law of God. And I think we sort of answered that. that the, you know, what comes out of us now yeah. is a natural obedience to the law of God because it's our joy to obey it. And so it isn't a burden on us anymore. And that's yeah. what happens when God transforms our heart. It becomes, mm-hmm. we no longer see it as all those rules that we are confining to us. We see them as all those rules that liberate us because we no longer mm-hmm. have to be under the law of sin and mm-hmm. death, as Paul calls it, we are under the law. We're we're liberated by the law, not confined by it. There's a word that I've heard many pastors use, talking about some laws are not binding on us, and that word binding uh, reminds me of somebody that's been tied up and restricted. James calls the the Ten Commandment law. It says it specifically refers to it as the royal law of liberty. A person is not more free, I believe, than when they are in obedience to God's will, which, of course, uh, includes the Ten Commandment law. There's a lot of freedom there. Now, in our society, we've tried to take the last six commandments of God, which deal with our relationship with each other, and we've made laws from those, you know, maybe not exactly the way God intended. For example, honoring your father and mother. Well, there's not really any laws particular to that, but uh, except maybe hurting them or something along that way. And the last four, or I'm sorry, the first four other commandments are different, though. They're not a part of man's civil law and never should be because it deals with man's relationship with God. Uh, The freedom of religion uh, that we have in our country prohibits the state's enforcement of these laws. So the Ten Commandments tell us what sin is. Oh, yes. Yeah, we go back. Uh, It's transgression of that law. We go back to that so often. You know, it tells us, you know, if we we transgress God's law, Mm -hmm. we know that we are we are in sin. And that tells us we are in need. Right, we are in need of God to forgive us and to put us back on right. line. So that was a yeah. Sin is a transgression of law in First John three four. Uh, well, Charlie, we're at uh, at a time here where we want to uh, stop probably. But next time, I'd like to t- talk about two other definitions of sin uh, that may not be uh, in our notes here, but there are two other definitions of sin, and we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I have time. one of my personal favorites. I'd like to talk about. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Answers from Scripture. Eddie Armstrong and I, Charlie Hayes, hope you'll join us for each episode and subscribe to this podcast. For more information, go to www.answersfromscriptureonline.com. That's www.answersfromscriptureonline.com. 
And for your personal Bible study, go to our Discover Bible School page. That's at bibleschools.com slash 1514. That's bibleschools.com slash 1514. And to contact us directly, go to afsepisodes at gmail.com. Thank you.